everyone, and welcome to another great edition of Talking Tigs. I'm your host, Scott Gerard, joined as always by Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger. I uh, got a good one for you tonight. The NFL draft has just passed this weekend, and uh, we had seven Tigers taken. Uh, I think some some after after draft uh, transactions also happened, uh, but we'll get into that. Uh, we'll also discuss uh, LSU's series against Arkansas at the box this weekend. I mean, I feel like it probably could have gone better, but uh, LSU at least did salvage, uh, you know, not having to get swept, uh, winning one out of three. Uh, we have that, and then uh, I guess transfer season is still in full effect because Will Wade and the Tigers had one transfer in. We'll, we'll cover that as well. But before we do, wanted to check in with the co-host, see how you guys are doing. I'll tell you here, man, It's uh, it's been kind of weird all day because these thunderstorms have been coming and going. I don't know if they've been going all through the southeast, but we had like a tornado warning. Uh, there's already been some, uh, you know, we all the utilities are still working, but it's just been crazy. Uh, lightning and thunder and tornadoes. Oh, my. How about y'all? Yeah, we had some we had some thunderstorms. Uh, what was it? Saturday, like like late Saturday or Saturday night, like, or no, Friday night, Saturday morning. Right, Daniel? Yeah, a couple of days ago. Yeah, so it was kind of, it was kind of bad, but uh, I think, I guess it's kind of moved on up to you. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's moving on its way out, hopefully, because uh, it's, I know, it's unpredictable. Atlanta does not know how to handle severe weather, whether it's flash floods or flash snow, whatever the case, but I um, hope everyone's okay. Uh, and, yeah, I just want to jump into this NFL draft because, uh, I'd say it was, you know, a kind of a, kind of a, you know, I guess a, I don't want to say average, but maybe a whole hum night for the for the Tigers, especially compared to last year. Although I think, you know, if you look at the two years combined, LSU still had, uh, I think, the most drafted out of the last two years at like twenty twenty one something like that. Yeah, uh, I saw. Tw- I think it's twenty one. Twenty one. Yeah, um, but I mean, uh, I'd say for the most part. Uh, the the biggest draft pick of all, the first one, we we kind of all knew. It just it was a matter of where Jamar Chase fell, and he didn't fall out of the top five, which was awesome. Uh, he's reunited with Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. Love it or hate it, Daniel, but uh, I think those guys can come to expect some good things. And I mean, there was a few uh, reunites, uh, reunifications, however you say it, with uh, you know, some other LSU players and other other players from other schools as well. It's just. Uh, it, I don't know if it was on purpose. It just kind of worked out that way or what. But, um, uh, I I mean, it wasn't really a surprise. Uh, I don't know. Did you guys really think that uh, Jamar Chase would have gone anywhere else? It, um, it, it You kind of think maybe Bengals would have shored up their O-line. But uh, I guess Jamar and Joe is too good to pass up. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of rumors are going around that, that kind of Joe made that pick. And he said, "Look, I want him. Go get him. If he's available, right. I want him." Well, apparently, he like texted him earlier. He said, the day. "Pack your bags." He said, yeah. "Pack your bags." Like you're coming to Cincinnati. Yeah. So I feel like uh, I. I mean, I, I remember on this podcast, especially when he opted out, I thought it would hurt his draft stock. Obviously, it didn't. Um, but I think that it's gonna be. I mean, it's gonna be fun to watch. It'll be a cool, a cool thing to see. Um, you know, I think we are all kind of rooting for the Bengals once they pick Joe. But now that now with it, with as much LSU talent as they have on their team, like I, I might start following them a lot closer now. Right? Yeah, everyone's talking about like LSU North. Well, both like the Bengals and the uh, the Browns for whatever reason have mm-hmm. kind of been stockpiling LSU products. But uh, I think the Bengals could have done a little bit better for Joe getting Panay Sewell um, and protecting his knees a little bit. But it'll, it'll still be exciting to see. 
uh, Jamar Chase, and hopefully he's just as dynamic in the NFL as he was in college. And that's three straight years that LSU's had a top five pick, which is pretty cool. Um, and then, yeah, overall, I think everybody went about where they were projected to. Some of the other ones kind of fell a little bit, but nothing too crazy. I guess yeah, Mac now, Jones, Mac Jones fell. Um, not necessarily. Well, I was talking more about like LSU players. Oh, LSU players. Yeah. Who cares about Mac? No, we'll get into that in a second, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He fell a little ways, but uh, I mean, he's fine up in new England. We'll, we'll see how that goes. It's funny. He's behind two Auburn quarterbacks though. Mm-hmm. I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, like for the rest of LSU, like Daniel said, I think everyone kind of fell where they should, except for a couple, I'd say Terrace Marshall, second round, uh, yeah, there's, I don't know, there's maybe a small chance he might have snuck in the first round, but I mean, he was definitely a solid second round pick and he's reunited with Joe Brady in Carolina. So it'll be interesting to see how, you know, he gets used there. I'd say the biggest fall for me that I didn't expect was maybe Jabril Cox going to the fourth round. Yeah. But, uh, as much as he didn't like that, he probably felt disrespected, but I think he was pretty happy going with the Cowboys. Um, I mean, it's, you know, for, people that didn't grow up in an area didn't have a team yeah the Cowboys was kind of like America's team for a while so there's Cowboy fans all across the country and it's like a good franchise to play for even though you know we kind of pick on them a little bit as Saints fans but um that was pretty far fall I guess it was because of his injury you know is um he he didn't really have a pro day he had his own like a few weeks ago uh well after the fact of everyone else's pro day uh, I thought, yeah, that's 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 good that he's having one. But I think by that point, people had already started to, uh, you know, just starting to plug names and numbers into their algorithms. And he was, I don't want to say an afterthought, but, you know, just not looked at as, as the same as everyone else that was, like, ready to go. Um, but uh, Tyler Shelvin going uh, reunited with uh, Joe and Jamar uh, going fourth round as well. Uh, I thought that was uh, that was good. I mean, those, I mean, they play on opposite sides of the ball, but, I mean, yeah, you know, a teammate's a teammate, really. Then uh, yeah. to wrap it up, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, like, I, I was I was surprised about the Jabril Cox thing too. I thought he was one of the best, uh, especially like a cover linebacker in this draft. Um, you know, you're probably right about the injury, maybe maybe costing him a little bit. But I guess the good thing is, if you're a good if you're a good if you're a good player, you know, you'll shine you'll shine through, and it won't really matter if you're fourth round or first round. Um, I think you're right. I think going to, to Dallas is sometimes that's also kind of the blessing of going later is you end up going to a team where you'll have, you might have more success. You know, there's a reason why these teams picking in the first five picks. It's the reason why they have the first five picks. I haven't been and, and why they consistently have the first five picks. And also like towards the end, the teams can kind of pick for their own like unique fit or like we want this guy, like he's one of our steals kind of late in the in the draft. You're you're not so bound to like the top talent, I guess you can say. Yeah, and and, and these typically these teams know how to manage talent and will will be willing to put you in a spot where you're gonna be able to succeed a lot more easily. They're not gonna ask you to do everything and be everything for that team. So um, yeah, I, I think that, uh, it could be a good, it could be definitely a good spot for him. There've been a lot of good linebackers that have come out of, come out of Dallas. So, um, yeah. I was, I was hoping that the saints were going to get Terrace Marshall because it was kind of getting to like the mid second round. He still hadn't come off the board and the saints needed that number two wide receiver and just kept falling and falling. And then the Panthers swooped in one pick. Was it, one pick? Yeah. it was, yeah. The, the immediate pick before the saints. I was like, no, uh, cause I was so sure the saints were going to get him. Uh, yeah, I found it a little bit interesting. Yeah, Tyler Shelvin and Kerry Vincent both fell a little bit. Both of them had opted out this season. 
So you saw Jamar Chase opted out, didn't affect him at all. But I wonder if those other two guys, like if they could have really helped themselves by being on the field this past year. I think definitely Kerry Vincent could have. Yeah. I mean, he because uh, I feel like his his 2019 uh, performance was not lo- as locked down as he might have wanted it to be. And having a good year, <laughs> Scott Scott's shaking his head like uh, I don't even I don't even put lockdown in the in the in consideration. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, he was not a dominant cor- uh, nickelback, and so I could see where they you know teams are looking and they're like, okay, well, the year we have to watch wasn't great. Or where you're looking like the weak spot in the defense. You're, yeah, you're looking. You're the you're the position that that the the team. That the, the opponent is picking apart you're the one thing that they're trying to pick apart and then you don't even play the next year and and but in the meantime i've got you know i can look at this guy from ohio state and this guy from alabama and this guy from clemson and i think i'll go with them because they might because they might have been equally you know e- they might have had equal the equal troubles you did in 2019 but in 2020 they they could even if they minorly improved, that's more of an improvement than we can than we can say for you, right? Yeah, because there's no there's no film, there's mm-hmm. just no film. Um, and to just kind of kind of round things, yeah, I just thought Kerry Vincent really did not. Uh, he, he was one of those guys that could have benefited from staying. Uh, I guess he thought, well, other guys are opting out. It shouldn't hurt us, but it, you know, it definitely did because you know seventh round, two thirty seven overall. Um, but you know, then you had somebody like. Uh, Tory Carter signed an undrafted free agent. Uh, oh, I forgot about uh, Racy McMath also signed with the Titans in the uh, sixth round. And then Jacoby Stevens, I guess, was another one that maybe fell further than we we might have thought. He also fell to the sixth round, but he's going to the Eagles. Um, you know, some of those few players have had plenty of success there. Uh, so, I don't know, all in all, a good draft, I'd say. Uh, some surprises, but that's how the draft is. Um I'd say Alabama getting six in the first round was, you know, kind of impressive. That hadn't happened since uh, like Miami and back in 04. So just kind of shows you, uh, but you know, who, who knows how they'll, they'll all pan out. You know, that, that all matters when you get in the NFL. Um, but how about Jabril Cox's teammate getting drafted? What was it? Third overall mm-hmm. the QB that he played with. Yeah. That was kind of the big question going into the draft is like, cause we knew Trevor Lawrence is going one and Zach Wilson too. like, who are the 49ers going to pick at three? And it was Mac Jones for a while, like was the big rumor. And then Trey Lance like came on like big time late. And then obviously that's who they picked, but uh, it didn't work out quite so well for the Eagles with Carson Wentz. Um, so hopefully his North Dakota state successor <laughs> does a little bit better. Yeah. And uh, just really quickly, what did you guys think of, you know, how the saints drafted? I was not too thrilled to be honest because their first pick was at DN from Houston. And then a lot of people had him like late second round, like grade. And then they got a linebacker from Ohio state in the second round. And I think he's okay, but nothing that really jumped out to me. There were rumors that the saints were trying to trade in the top 10 and maybe get like one of the best corners or top 15, whatever. And that didn't happen. Uh, So I would say kind of average at best. Yeah. But they did pick up a quarterback in the fourth round. Uh, which was, you know, interesting pick. And it was Ian Book. You know, he was pretty good. He, he beat LSU. Uh, but he was he's actually the winningest quarterback in Notre Dame history. I didn't realize that until I looked at him after his draft stats after he got drafted. But, yeah, he's the winningest quarterback in Notre Dame history, which – He's like a four-year starter, right? He started when he was a freshman. 
he, yeah, I think he came in to replace, uh, who is, he was, he, uh, so he was replacing somebody uh, like off the bench that year, and that's how he came back. In the, uh, he came in the game and uh, came back to win against LSU. Uh, I don't know if it was it wasn't Deshaun Kaiser, was it? It was somebody like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's been there. He's, he's he started playing as a freshman. That's for sure. Hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it's just always interesting how the Saints draft because everyone makes hay of how they you know they seem to avoid LSU players, but other teams like I guess the, the Bengals and the Browns. They head straight for it. I don't know if there's really anything to that because, you know, LSU or uh, the Saints apparently like players from Ohio State. You know, they just – I don't think a round's gone by in a while where they or a, a draft hasn't gone by without them drafting somebody from Ohio State. But I don't know. It's The draft is all over the place, right? It's just – I will um, say, I mean, if, you, if you're just – if you're speaking from like a general manager, like NFL perspective, what's there not to like with Ohio State? Yeah. put out great products. They all seem to be hard workers. They all seem to be very team oriented. You don't hear too much. Like, I mean, when's the last time? Um, I mean, I think the last time you got like a major character issue kind of breakdown kind of thing was like the Terrell Pryor situation, right? Maybe Michael Thomas fighting Chauncey Gardner Johnson in practice. <laughs> well, no, but that, I mean, that's NFL. Oh, right. you're talking about like Ohio State, like, at Ohio State. like when you're like when you're considering like drafting a player like you don't hear too much of like yeah I see what you're saying you see what I'm saying like it's not like yeah. you know compared to I don't know um kind of take your pick but I don't know they seem to they, like I'm not I, by no means am I an Ohio State fan but uh they do seem to have you know a, a good program from from like a safe program to draft from if you're yep. looking at like you know, linebacker B and he's a third round guy. Like he, he's been graded as a third round guy and you could take linebacker uh, a from Ohio state and linebacker B from uh, Florida. I'd probably think to, and, and that's all you really know is that they're about the same, but one went to Ohio state and one went to Florida. I'm going to take the Ohio state guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're getting everybody's best game, you know, year in and year out. Uh, definitely. Uh, but I think other than that, there weren't too many like big surprises in the draft, right? Former Alabama star Dylan Moses, that, former yeah. LSU eighth grade commit, Baton Rouge product. Yeah, went undrafted, which is pretty crazy. That's something uh, I don't really understand. Oh, uh, it's an injury. Same with uh, Jabril Cox. He, he's yeah, torn ACL, apart. and then like I mean, he started this past year for Alabama, won a championship. I, he wasn't, I would say, dominant, but he no. played okay. You would think like a team would take a flyer on him towards the end. I, I I still think that he's too talented, too physically gifted to to not to go seven rounds without anyone picking him. I don't know. Maybe they, you know, obviously they probably know something we don't. Maybe um maybe his his knee hasn't healed the way that it should have, or maybe the doctors are like, Yeah, like it's you know, basically put together with with bubble gum. Like, <laughs> you know, who knows? But I I just People people have ACL tears all the time. Yeah. The, what did what did Robert Griffin the Robert Griffin the third? He was a top five. He was at least a top five pick. Was he the number one pick overall at one time? I I don't remember yeah. exactly. Yeah, no, I think the Redskins got him. They got him either one or two, something yeah. like that. And he was a uh, and he had like three ACL tears. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, but I, I think the issue was with Dylan Moses is he also had a, like a meniscus that he had cleaned up, I guess, in the off season there. 
some some people were saying there wasn't enough medical information available because he was still i, I guess you know because it was um, so fresh yeah yeah so hmm. if they don't have any information on you it's kind of hard to you know decide one way or another it's like if they if the doctors can come out and say he's recuperating fine here's videos of him running here's him videos of making cuts you know that you can go all right well doesn't look bad uh can't do a pro day right now but sure yeah we'll take a seventh round flyer on him but you know, if there's nothing available, I mean, it's kind of hard to, like you said, even just give a seventh round pick because I, I don't know. I don't know. There's always un, there's always UFAs though, undrafted free agency signings. You know, well, he, I mean, he already signed with uh, yeah. the the uh, Jaguars, yeah. so they got. I feel like they got a huge. I mean, they from the team perspective, it's like if he's not going to make it out, if he, if he's going to sit there and not get drafted, then yeah, we'll definitely take him as an undrafted free agent. I from the team perspective, if you want him in the, in the sixth round, but you know, you can get him as an undrafted free agent, you take him as the undrafted free agent. But mm-hmm. I just, I just thought that was, I thought that was insane. When, when, cause Daniel, you texted me that you just, when the, cause you're watching when the draft ended, you, you texted me, you said Dylan Moses went undrafted and my jaw about dropped. Yeah. Cause I think he was projected like a fifth or a sixth round pick. And then like the fifth round went by, still hadn't been picked. Sixth round, I was like, oh boy, like is it gonna is it gonna happen at all? And then just off the board. And I think he's kind of headlined the uh, the undrafted ones. As What's well. also crazy, and I, I mean, like this is, I, I'm kind of one of those guys that's always ad or not always advocating, but I, I like it when the guy stays for his senior year. I like it when the guy says, you know what, I, I want to, I've got unfinished business, I want to come back and prove something, I and that and and he did that and there was a whole remember the whole big production when his highness dylan moses or whatever that was he had that strange title and like his dad you don't remember this uh, i vaguely know what you're talking about so when so you know he remember he tore his acl in like august before the 2019 season and he was out for the season and so he didn't play at all well in like november december there was the big speculation of, okay, is he going to go to the NFL or is he going to stay? And his dad released this like statement and it was something like, here, I got to look this up because I got to get this right. This is hilarious. Yes. He, he, he said his majesty, Dylan Moses will, will, you know, stay from this, you know, stay at the university of Alabama or whatever the trust. So his dad is called the trust protector of the Royal crown, Edward Moses, Jr. <laughs> Uh, what? But anyways, it doesn't matter. But the point is, he made this big production to stay, and I liked that. I thought, oh wow, that's pretty cool. Like you don't see that too often. That everybody, everybody in the world would say, go. You know, get your knee right, get the surgery done, get it. I'm sure he had his surgery done like the week oh, after. Yeah. That's how fast they do it, and get it done and go to the NFL, and, and nobody will, you know, nobody will remember that you had surgery, and you'll be great. You'll go make millions. And I remember, you know, he stayed and it was a big deal. And now it's just sad to me that, you know, it didn't pay off. Like the, a lot of times, like you hear, oh, it's, that's the, that's the fear. And this time it came true. I feel like most of the time it doesn't come true. Most of the time you either increase your draft stock or you kind of stay where you're at. You're going to be what you're going to be. But this time it was, I mean, that's just unfortunate. It is. Um, but I mean, he, he still has the same, he has the opportunity though. You know, it's like, he's not going to come out making nearly as much money, which I guess is the downfall part of it. Uh, cause you know, if you're, if you're good, you make, you know, good money depending on where you draft. And 
but I mean, there's always the hope that he can play his butt off and he'll earn himself a, a better contract. I remember, remember a few years ago, what was it? Lyle Collins had uh, a huge draft slide because of that, some incident off the field, you know, and it's was like implicated in a murder, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. I mean, how's that affect your draft stock? Uh, but what happened was, you know, he, he ultimately signed with the Cowboys and man, he, he, he earned a, a, like Jerry Jones gave him the, the most amount he could give, uh, I guess, a, a rookie at his level. Cause he wasn't drafted. Or, I don't know if he was an un, undrafted free agent or if he went to like the sixth or seventh round, something like that. Mm-hmm. But I think he went up drafted and Jerry Jones said, you know, he gave him as much as he could, which was still a lot of money for an undrafted free agent was the most he could give him and then he earned like a huge contract after that and yeah video of him just paving fools for uh for ezekiel and uh you know he, he things turned out just fine for him so there's always that you know you just yeah just get on the field and, and make that money no i mean I, I wish him the best i hope i hope he does fine and i and i hope that that's kind of the same thing is the Lael collins situation but yeah. it's just i just i hate to see it just when it's when when you're the guy who comes back you know yeah it's unfortunate, um, but uh, you know, say la vie, as they say. Uh, and I don't think that was all we had for the draft, unless you guys had something else. I think that was it. All the hype has already died. They're already making their 2022 mock drafts, but we yeah, we already looked that. at it. We already looked at a 2022 mock <laughs> to see who's on the. And number one overall is uh, Sam Howell, which I guess that's about right. Stingley's a top ten pick right now. Sure. Sure. There was a few days before the draft, and I saw Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay doing a mock draft between themselves. You guys, I know you probably didn't watch it. I didn't watch it because I thought it's just the idea is silly because they're just picking guys who they think would be picked at that time and then just making a draft based on that. And I just thought, who, who the F would sit down and watch this? A mock <laughs> draft by guys that are never right. <laughs> like, like yeah. uh, you know, the, the, the boards at Vegas would be crazy for that. But I, I just didn't know if you guys saw anything like that. It's just just silliness. Now, they always end up with like six or seven picks right out of like the whole first round. And then they get paid to talk on TV for hours upon hours. Well, endless, endless. Anyway, uh, moving right along, uh, LSU baseball did have a series at home this weekend against Arkansas. Uh, as we said earlier, they were able to. Uh, save one game uh, winning Saturday. Well, the second game Saturday, they had a double header. They won the second game five to four. It looked like they wanted to give it to Arkansas late in the game, but uh, LSU pitching actually held on and they won, uh, but they lost the first game seven to Oh, even that one was close though. I thought, cause it was mm-hmm. like two to nothing until that. I think the eighth inning when, when Arkansas finally opened it up. Uh, but I mean, Mar- you know, uh, Marcino had a, a great, great game another i mean you know what else could you ask for against the number one team in the country two runs over seven innings is great and then that you know until you know things finally started to get busted wide open later on uh and then the second game i I don't even know what to say (laughs) i don't even know what to say about that one uh arkansas just was piling on runs and then all of a sudden lsu was like you know we can pile on runs too and then for like two innings you know they kind of got close it was 16 to 2 then it was 16 to like nine or something. Yeah. Uh, so I think the final was 17 to 10, but just a crazy score. Uh, I don't even know what to make of it. Paul, Paul, I can't imagine Paul Maneri's facial expressions during that game, but I mean, 
I don't know. What, what, what do you say? You know, what do you say about it that we haven't already said that we're going to, you know, say again, beat it to death? Uh, do you guys, were you able to watch any of it or you just saw the scores and thought, what, what in the world's going on over there? <laughs> I watched uh, most of, uh, or not most of, but I watched a lot of all three games. I watched all of the, the Friday game, um, a good portion of the Saturday, of the, of the first Saturday game. And then the end of the, of the one we actually won, mm-hmm. you know, Scott, you talked about that first one, to be honest, I think that, I think that that seven innings we played, of that of that first game that's the best baseball we played all year i'm, I'm not even like I, I, i'm completely serious even even in like the losing effort like even though we lose that first seven innings where it's you know 2-0 i that is the best I, that looks like when i was watching that team play i'm like that's the team that we watch when we go when that goes to omaha or goes to the super regional or hosts a super regional now i'm not saying we weren't dominant like you know it was but we were playing we were trading blows back and forth with the best team in the country. Well, Landon Marceau had a no hitter through five innings and like nobody, everybody was kind of like trying not to jinx it and eventually gave up a couple hits and then two runs, but yeah, he was dealing. And so Arkansas's pitcher was too, but it was entertaining to watch. But as soon as they started to put the runs on the board, he kind of knew what was going to happen. And then, yeah, I was watching that game too. And you watched it slip away and you're like, well, this is pretty typical for LSU, but not even, I mean, obviously later, yeah, that goes without saying was just how good Marceau was, but I was, I'm, I'm talking about like, I think that the defense was great. We yep. were that the, 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 the infield, like the, the middle infielders actually looked like they were, I mean, they were turning double plays. They were really, it, it was just some, there was some cohesion in that team. There was some, some, some mojo going on that I feel like I haven't seen when you can, it's hard to put into words, but when a, when a baseball team is playing to completely together, especially an infield, you can see it mostly in an infield when they're playing together and they're turning double plays easy. It's, you know, Kramer had it when, when he was, when that team went to Omaha or uh, Bregman, uh, those Bregman teams, they had it. And that's what I saw it for that six, seven inning stretch. Now we do, it's no, it, like you said, we don't need to be at death, but we have no, we have no bullpen whatsoever. Um, our bats are, we have good bats. Uh, they're not, but they're not elite bats. They're not top 10, top five bats. Um, now we have, we have a bat that's one of the best in the country. You know, we have a couple bats that are elite, but our, our lineup, you know, one to nine is not going to knock the, the ball out of the park all the time. So no. but, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I was just very impressed. That was a, that was a gritty performance. I felt yeah. like, I don't know. It was just, that was, that was probably one of the most fun stretches I've watched them play all year. Yeah. It looked like it, this is okay. This is a real baseball team. Yeah, no. And I, I was going to mention if you didn't about the defense and I was just, that's what I, I think kept it so close that first game and kind of held it in that third game. And, um, Oh, by the way, what a, well, I'll get to that in a second, but yeah, I just, I wish that as crisp as they looked on defense, they were as proficient in their base running because yeah. LSU for whatever reason, man, it's just every weekend there's a, just some blunder. And to <laughs> me, it just, it makes no sense. I, I, I can't say that it's on the players because some of these calls, you know, they, it's like they will tell them to round first or not, or they were tell them to, to do whatever. But some of these calls, like uh, I I was thinking back to the Ole Miss game because I remember the name is Bianco trying to go past first to get to stretch out a second into a, you know, a, a double against his dad's team. I'm like, is he, is he trying to throw the game for his dad? 
I mean, I'm not serious, of course, but um, it was actually uh, it was when John Rice Plumley threw him out at second. Uh, yeah, the, the former quarterback. I was going to say that's when you can tell he's a quarterback. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but then you know they they had another base running error this weekend, and it just I don't know. It's not it's not like it was like the make or break play, but you talking about when the guy got thrown out at third? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he got hosed on that one. No, I think we no, I think we were no, watching no, that and you were like, he's about to get hosed. <laughs> well, well it was Dylan Cruz also. He thought one was gonna drop, but it didn't, and then he got he couldn't make it back to first in time. It's like just you know, just casual base running. It's like they don't need to be casual if every every run counts, every out matters, you know, against the number one team anyway. But um I will say this though, like how I thought Mikel Hilliard looked really good. I mean, who knows? Do you maybe he could be uh, you know, a a midweek starter, or at least a possible third, like a, a, cause he went five innings on Sunday. It looked good. Yeah. And he pitched Tuesday against Grambling too. Uh, so he's shown flashes in the past, but has just kind of had been a little bit inconsistent, but I guess somebody's got to step up to take Jaden Hill's spot. maneri has been trying a bunch of different players mm. um, like Garrett Edwards. He pitched a few in relief and he he's had some flashes of good performance as well, but yeah, just solidifying that behind Marceau and Labus. And Levis got rocked, so hopefully he can have a better uh, week coming up here. I, I heard uh, – I forget who it was. I think it was one of the, the commentators on maybe the Friday game or something. They were like, you know, maybe it's just time for Paul Benary to, to say to, to say Fontenot, it's just time for you to be a starter. And I was like, no, do we just want to start the game down three? <laughs> yeah, Fontenot, the closer, <laughs> I've been talking about this all season where he's just a weak point. And then I was watching the, the second game Friday when they were up five to one, and then I turned to the person sitting next to me. I'm like – Fano chokes every time. Don't be surprised if Arkansas comes back and wins. And then immediately the bases were loaded with like no out like it'll happen. And then they, they put three on and clutched it up to, to win, but it just makes sure your, your blood pressure go through the oh, roof. It totally does. It's really, I mean, Blake money. Uh, yeah. Uh, Blake money is not. Yeah. Like, and, and I mean, I don't know. It's just our, our bullpen is just not very good right now. Maybe they can improve, you know, maybe next year, give them, give them some time. Maybe they can be, maybe they can improve next year. But I think as of 2021, LSU's relief pitching is not very good. Um, Our starting pitching is, we've got one, one really good starter, one who's hot and cold. And then we don't have a third starter really. (laughs) So we just have some guy who throws the ball and it kind of rotates. Um, it's man, it's it's this is a tough this is a tough team to watch, right? But and it is you know that's probably the toughest schedule in the country to watch. Oh yeah. Uh, but I mean, hopefully after this, it kind of kind of calms down a little bit. Our schedule is not doing us any favors. We're not getting any um, any relief really. You know, it's like of course, yeah, the midweek games like those are those are easy. But Still um, <laughs> but, but we got at least we have Auburn this upcoming weekend. So, yeah. uh, you know, hopefully some spots there. I, I don't know about Alabama. I don't know where they stand. Uh, but we finish up with Texas A&M, which I, I don't know if they've been as good lately, like as good as the rest of the SEC. I don't think they're ranked, but uh, I don't know. At least it's. Yeah, A&M are, and Auburn are pretty horrible. Alabama is OK. They're about like on our level. And so we've been talking about like the chances of making the postseason uh, as it stands right now, as the time of recording, they're seven and 14 in the sec. And we were talking about 13, 14 wins is probably what you need. So to have a chance, they're probably going to need to go they need to sleep. six and three in their last uh, 
three series. So they have to win every series pretty much, uh, and some sweeps would help. Um, so yeah. you, you really want to sweep Auburn to put yourself in a good position. If you lose like one to Auburn, then you're like really in a then in the a pressure is complete is like totally on. Like what you need to do is you need to sweep sweep Auburn, then you can win two for two out of three at A and M. And win what? Win one in Alabama. Yeah, and then you're in an okay spot. And then like you're in it, a decent spot. If you get, yeah, if you go three and zero, two and one, two and one, you're probably in. Otherwise, it's uh, they're on the bubble, which is where they're at right now. Thankfully, the relief is coming at the end with some poorer teams. But yeah, just running the SEC gauntlet is uh, brutal for any team. And and it just that's and that's the other thing about like in, in baseball, especially because you're playing these series is every single every single uh, inadequacy that you have as a team is going to be exploited at this level of play. If you don't have, if you don't have good relief pitching, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to force you to, to throw what you have, you know, they're going to milk counts. They're going to try to do everything they can to wear out your pitch, your starter and, and have to go to the bullpen. Like, yeah, it's, it's a, it's been, there, there's no, uh, there's no rest for, for us in the, in the SEC. No, no, there's not. Um, but, I mean, all oh, the rest is the midweek games, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't know. At least, um, like I said, at least the schedule lightens up a little bit after this week. I mean, there's still the SEC tournament and everything after that. And who knows where they'll, they'll be in the postseason. But I don't know. I mean, if they, if they can pull things together hitting wise, because like they, they have been facing like some of the toughest pitching in the country and it's like the midweek games, they're okay. When you get to the weekend games, it's, it's hard, but you know, if they like, they can just go two and one the rest of the season. I think they're looking really good. Hopefully in that time though, I think what's even more important, you know, is just uh, key. I mean, I think we know who our game one and game two starters are but just finding that third guy or just finding, you know, someone in the bullpen that can just give you three innings. Cause if most of our, like, it seems like, uh, uh, Marceau and Labas Labas can go about seven innings, you know, for the most part, you know, maybe not every games things can happen, but, uh, if those two guys can get you those, so if you just get somebody that can pitch you two innings, you have a game, you know, as long as the offense is there, of course, but I feel like they've been getting better. You know, it's like they, uh, they, 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 they weren't going to pull anything out, I guess, in that first game against Arkansas. You know, they were just cold. Second game, they just got way out hit. Third game, they had it. You know, so it's like, you know, they can compete on some level, but uh, maybe they'll get hot at the right time, which will be in the next few weeks. <laughs> it, it is just crazy to me. It's like, okay, you look at the, you look at the performance that, that Marceau puts out in, in game one, and then you're just kind of like, why is he pitching in game one? Imagine if you flipped him with on Saturday and you had that performance with the 10 runs we put up. Right. I mean, it's hard to pick when you're going to have 10 runs. No, I know that, but, but you would, but typically on Friday, you're going to get their best starter and you're going to give them your best starter. But mm-hmm. like nine times, nine times, have we won a Friday game against like a, an SEC opponent? I'm not sure. I wonder how much kind of mind games, there goes on between the coaches like, Oh, they're throwing their best on Friday. So we're going to do our best. Or if they try to kind of outgame each other, we're like, all right, their weakest person is on Sunday. Or if there's any sort you see what I'm getting at. So we're like, you put your best against their worst in the hopes of just like stealing one game, maybe. No, yeah. that's what, I mean, that's what I've been saying. This or if whole there's time. any sort of like gamesmanship or like kind of like sportsmanship where it's like, 
we're going to put our best on sun or friday no i I think that's i think that's the issue is that that's yes there's a it's a it's just like an un it's the unwritten rule it's the it's the the tradition it's just the way it goes is yeah your best you, you put your ace out you know he start he starts the series and you know it's your guy mono mono our best versus their good on good and then you go from there but there's not a rule you know what i mean it's like you don't have to do that and they don't do that in major league baseball sometimes it lines up that way but you have a you have a you know a rotation and it just sometimes like i said like sometimes it lines up that way but you got a bunch of guys going and you some you take some people have like a week off before their series starts and other guys don't and they flip the rotation around some guy gets injured now he comes back up so you could you could easily just say like okay we're gonna flip our rotation um marcel you're pitching you're pitching on saturday you're pitching on sunday they're not going to do anything about it, but I, but Daniel, I, I think you're onto something. I don't think Maneri would ever do that. I think that's the difference is that that's the kind of, that's the kind of gamesmanship, you know, kind of uh, almost like a money ball type thing where it's like, okay, we're going to give, whereas in like, if you've seen the movie Moneyball, you know, the, the, the thing, like the old school thinking is like, you put your, you put your nine best hitters out there and they're going to hit the ball and we're going to win. But in Moneyball, they're like, no, we're, we're going to put like the guys who get on base the most. And we're going to put a We're going to put a guy out there who walks a lot. And we're going to put a guy out there who's fast and he's going to like steal the base or you know, stuff like that. We're never going to there's like a bunch of stuff. It's like, OK, we're never going to uh, we're not going to bunt, never going to bunt like all. The, and, it, and it just drove like these baseball, these baseball purists crazy. But like on paper, they ended up winning. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. like you could do the same thing and be like, "Yeah, we're never going to win a Friday game. We haven't won a Friday game with our best people out. We're gonna we're gonna save our best people for a game we can win. So hey, we're flipping it. And Blake Money, you're starting Friday. <laughs> uh, yeah, I imagine what that would do for him. Uh, I'd say why not? Because otherwise, I mean, the only thing it really does is affect uh, Marceau's you know win loss record. Because I mean, he's he's going to do well. Uh, but just if your chances are winning or better on Sunday, then why not try it? Uh, I like, I, yeah, he's definitely not going to do that. Paul Maneri is not, no. I would love to see some sort of money ball approach, maybe something different just to show us that he's like thinking of ways. He's not just going home to his wife after every, you know, day of practice or game and just, you know, uh, doing whatever he did, you know, just less miles and it, phoning it in. Use, use the magic eight ball. What was that thing? What was that thing he said in the in the press conference like two weeks ago? He said something like, "This is just depressing" or something. But yeah, yeah. like I don't want to hear that. I want to hear, "Hey, you know what? We're we're gonna we're taking we're taking everything apart. We're we'll put it back together." Yeah, uh, but well, I don't know. I, I guess we'll see. Um, yeah, I think that's enough roasting of baseball for right now. Uh, but someone that is uh, actually on fire, that'd be Will Wade over at LSU Basketball, pulling in another transfer, another week, another transfer, it seems. Uh, now, LSU, I mean, he's had some guys to replace, but he's had some transfers coming in, and Saturday he got another one, this time from Illinois. Adam Miller announced that he will be transferring to LSU. He was one of their point guards, uh, their 2020 class. He was actually a part of their team last season, uh, and that team was, I think, around the top five for for. They were a number one seed in the tournament. They got bounced yeah. by Loyola Chicago, but still, they had to get there. Yeah, I mean, he didn't play in that game, but I mean, he did average like eight points a game for the season, uh, usually around twenty five minutes. So, I mean, he's 
he's good. He seems like a good solid starter. Uh, I don't know how he's going to fit into all these other guys that are transferring in, but uh, Will Wade's now added three guys to his uh, 21 roster. So, uh, I mean, he could probably find some more people, but uh, at least he's, at least he's filling the gaps, you know, He's the transfer portal Raider. Yeah, I, <laughs> um, I don't know how this is happening, but it's actually yeah the fourth one. Uh, I'd forgotten about this other guy, Seneca Knight, but oh, he's sitting out. So yeah, three people eligible immediately. Um, and we had talked about this going to be a whole new face of the roster this upcoming year. Got to learn these new names, uh, but we'll see if there's any kind of problems with chemistry with these guys never playing with each other before, not really being part of the program. But if they have the talent, then. We'll put them on the court and, and see what happens. It seems like with basketball, like you can, that's not, it's almost like that's not as much of a thing. It seems like they're, they're, that like some of the best basketball players are able just to get in there and just start playing together. You know, I don't know. I, I can see what you're saying. Where it's a little bit more individualistic than yeah, like, yeah. You, like a football, you have to have like the scheme and like oh, you yeah. got to be like indoctrinated into it. But basketball is like, you just go out there and you learn what, however many plays there are. And then that's it. <laughs> yeah. You're like, okay, he's going to take the ball down and I'm going to shoot and he's going to, he'll be hitting the screens and there we go. Let's, let's do it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, a uh, quick update, by the way, LSU playing Southern right now, as we're uh, recording, they, uh, they just had a big inning here in the bottom of the fifth. So they are up eight to two. Oh, right nice. Now Southern. Yeah, so I mean, a few mornings to go, but it looks like they, uh, you know, they're having a good night so far. But you know, midweek game, we expect them to. Uh, but still, it's a good tune-up game for uh, for this away game at Auburn. I still would like to see if I can go to one. It's, it's right down the road for me, but um, uh, TBD on that. Um, but other than that, I mean, we covered the draft, we covered baseball, this this basketball transfer. You guys have anything else? I believe that's about it. Um, yeah, former LSU Tiger Sam Burns won his first PGA Tour event um, as a golfer, so that was kind of cool. I, I never really kept track of that, but always good to see them having success in the pros. But I think that was about all the news. Yeah, good yeah, for him. Yeah, and I saw this video. Of this one guy who I think he went decided to go pro like seven years ago, and he just qualified for his first pro, and he, he was calling his dad crying. Wow. This yeah, is like yeah. PGA, like golf. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I, I forget his name, but is uh, they? Uh, I think the video was up on uh, on Tiger Droppings or something. But yeah, just just imagine that feeling of you going pro and then finally qualifying for your first event. And like like right after he hit the putt, I think he called dad and was crying. It was it was a good moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, I think that'll uh, about do it for us here on Talking Tips. Ding it is. Uh, was that another run for LSU? Is that what that was? No, just kidding. <laughs> um, uh, maybe? No, no, there's still no. a too. Uh, but yeah, that'll do it for us here on Talking Teaks. Tune in next week. We'll have some more baseball scores, probably another basketball transfer, and uh, anything else that comes down the pike. Uh, but until then, stay safe, stay tuned, and we'll talk to you again on Talking Teaks.